to the Love Mia Vita podcast or possibly viewing it. This is Jerry DiPiano with Fem Pharma, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Catherine Sharif. For those of you that have not listened to or seen our podcast in the past, I want Dr. Sharif to share a little bit of her background with us. Catherine. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm Dr. Catherine Sharif. I'm an internist at Thomas Jefferson in Philadelphia. And my uh, area of uh, clinical expertise is in hormones um, in men and women. So today's topic is a topic that um, should interest all of us, whether the gut controls the brain or the brain controls the gut. And I believe that the, the jury is not even out. I believe that the data are emerging to suggest that there is definitely a two-way street when it comes to the gut-brain connection. So last, the last time we had a podcast, constipation and diarrhea were topics that we, we talked about because while we chuckle, they are problems that we've all experienced from time to time. And although we attribute most of this to a gastrointestinal function, there are implications to suggest that the brain does have a role in determining how our bodies respond. And conversely, we know that if we have constipation or if we are experiencing symptoms of diarrhea or bloating or what have you, that it's possible that we're also affecting our mood, right? And so there is a central nervous system connection. So let's, let's talk about where that brain resides in your GI system. It's, it's actually referred to as the enteric nervous system. And it is pretty big. So it consists of two thin layers of over 100 million nerve cells that line your gastrointestinal tract from your esophagus to your rectum. So it's a pretty big deal. And it, although it's not capable of, you know, doing thinking, you know, high level executive functioning, Boy, can it disrupt your high-level executive functioning because we know that, that when, when we are constipated or when we have diarrhea or bloating or any of these symptoms, it, it definitely can have an impact on how you are able to go through your day-to-day -day activities and make good decisions. So let's talk about that for, um, for a moment. So the function of our GI tract. Um, let's explore that a little bit, Catherine. The primary functions of our gut are to um, convert nutrients uh, to energy to sustain our body, whether it's water or food. And nutrients, uh, for example, the esophagus is to transport um, micronutrients or actually food uh, food and liquids to the stomach uh, which, that begin to digest them, break them down. And then the rest of the, uh, the gut is uh, where we 
um, metabolize uh, food and absorb micronutrients. Um, we have always known uh, we, that there are bacteria in the gut that make vitamin B12 for us. Um, so we've known a little bit about what the bacteria in there do, but it wasn't until recently that we understand that there's a huge ecosystem in the gut. So we, you know, we've seen more recently too that um, this enteric nervous system can cause tremendous shifts, and and we attribute conditions like irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, you talked about a different functional bowel problems, constipation, diarrhea, bloat, bloating, stomach upset, even things like cyclical vomiting, um, and and. For many, many decades, we've, this, I should say we, but persons that are in the area of research and development have thought that anxiety and depression may have contributed to these problems. And we've seen evidence that there are drugs, prescription products that are available today that address the central nervous component or what we perceive as the central nervous component um, that may be impacting these problems. But it could be that we should be looking at the gut more specifically to see if the gut is actually increasing the propensity for people that have that are prone to depression and anxiety to exacerbate those mood disorders. So that's where the shift has begun to occur. It's really looking at how is it that the gut or the what's called the microbiome, what you alluded to previously, is contributing to these types of problems? And what are we what are we doing about it? So we talk about our two brains. So the, the brain in our gut and the enteric nervous system and the brain in our head communicate with one another. And we think about the potential, for example, of how do you work with cognitive behavioral therapy? So speaking to a therapist, a psychologist, um, how that may help with resolution of some of these gastrointestinal issues. But then if you're working with a gastroenterologist, a physician who actually addresses those problems in the gut, how the two of them could actually work together to find an optimal solution for you if you're experiencing these problems. And I guess the first the first thing to look at is what is it about our guts? So what is it about our guts and our lifestyle that may predispose us or exacerbate those, those central nervous system diseases and disorders? Well, you know, when we think of anxiety, um, there are some bacteria in the gut that are associated with anxiety uh, or depression. And some people have suggested bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, all uh, lead to, uh, or are all associated with a certain makeup of bacteria in our gut. You know, I often think about patients who say that when I'm upset, my stomach feels like this, or I have, uh, when I'm upset, I have diarrhea. And that's classically referred to as irritable bowel syndrome. Well, what if your gut is upset and then emotionally you become anxious and you can't put your finger on it? You don't know why. 
nothing happened. There's nothing specifically triggered this anxiety. And what if it is coming from your gut? And what if it's related to what you ate and the makeup of the bacteria uh, in your intestines? Uh, we just don't know. It's a really complex relationship. So, you know, we talk about um, some of the research that's being done, and there is some suggestion that even your di digestive system and the activity on your digestive system can impact your ability to focus and also to form memory, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about different, you know, different times when either of us have been under stress and our our bodies react and they react because the you know the sphincter tightens up, can't defecate, or you feel like you're gonna vomit and you have an important complicated task to perform, cognitive task, it really does change your ability. It alters your ability to focus. And so there you go. It's the it started with the gut potentially and but it ended with the brain and then it becomes cyclical in nature. So it's, it, it is a pretty complicated process, but we're starting to learn more about the potential to make changes in our diet and to have those changes benefit us in terms of our cognitive function. And I know a lot of folks, including me, think about um, cognitive function and how to preserve cognitive function, particularly as we age. And so maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking about what happens uh, with diet. And, and I know that um, we talk about what you eat, right? Some of the basics of what you eat and how that can impact your overall well-being. And then we can dive into more on what folks have been doing for a while now, which is the use of probiotics. So what, which probiotics may be beneficial um, and what's, what does the further, uh, the additional research inform us to do in terms of maintaining or preserving our cognitive function, even in aging? Sure. So, you know, if, if the, a, a very strong component of our health is the bacteria in our gut, then the next question is, well, how do you get good bacteria in the gut? Right? How do you get more diversity? Because we know with less diversity, you're more likely to have uh, health problems. And so uh, we refer to the ingestion of our products that uh, deliver good bacteria to us, our probiotics. So we often think of probiotics as food, one food like yogurt or like supplements. And then the question is, okay, so how many different types of bacteria are in those supplements? Um, and how many millions of them? Should there be one or two bacteria? Should there be eight or nine different bacteria? Should they be in the millions or should they be in the billions? And there is some research that suggests that you should, the more, uh, the higher number of bacteria you have, the better for the probiotic, as well as numbers in the, in the billions, right? but does a very expensive supplement that's in um, the refrigerator at Whole Foods, is that any better than something that's on the shelf and costs a 10th as much? Um, we don't know. In the, re in the uh, medical research, um, 
there doesn't seem to be any like magic probiotic that works um, uh, or, or magic supplement. But of course there are foods that are probiotics. So when, when we think about foods that are probiotics, I mean, one of the, <clears throat> we'll see yogurt cultures that are, you know, enhanced with probiotics. And it's important to take a look and, and see, as, as you pointed out, Catherine, what are the probiotics that are actually included in that, we'll, we'll choose yogurt for the, the sake of conversation. So what are the probiotics that are included? How much of that probiotic um, is important to our overall gut health? We also look at things like kimchi. So kimchi is something is another way in which to populate with the right bacteria. Again, how much? So how much do you need to consume? So the the rationale for supplements is it's a supplement. So supplement by its very nature and definition is you add that to whatever you are already doing because whatever you are doing is potentially inadequate. So we're not gonna eat kimchi all day long. We're not gonna load up on yogurt all day long. We might have some yogurt for breakfast or perhaps we have it as a snack before we go to bed. Question is, are we getting enough of that probiotic to sustain us and to have that good gut health? Um, and, and that's really, um, so starting with diet, uh, what are the things that we can do to improve the good bacteria um, in our gut and to eliminate some of the bad actors that cause inflammation, et cetera? Yes, so um, the most important thing we can do in terms of getting probiotics, um, well, number one, I would not depend on probiotics and say uh, the supplements and say, I'm getting what I need, just like you said. So I would learn about foods that have probiotics. You mentioned kimchi. Um, we know that yogurt has lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. So those are two very good bacteria. And people, women who have recurrent uh, vaginal yeast infections are often instructed to eat more yogurt because of those two bacteria. But there are many more. Uh, some other foods that um, have probiotics um, include miso soup. And um, I think... Um, we could take a, a, a cue from the from Japanese who eat miso soup for breakfast daily. You know, not everyone does, but I think it's a great idea to get those bacteria in. Um, I just bought a jar of pickles called Bubby's pickles, and they are made with fermentation, so they're full of bacteria, and they're not pickled with vinegar. And so if you're looking for pickles, right, we got to get all different kinds of foods that have bacteria, not just the same thing day in and day out, right? And um, uh, so anyway, so if you're looking for something different, look for pickles that are fermented, but um, not uh, made with vinegar. And they, and they should have bubbles in the, um, in the container and uh, they will be probiotics. Uh, other probiotics are sauerkraut, um, let's see, and tempeh, which is made from uh, soy, like miso soup, uh, for example. Um, oh, kombucha, the, th uh, the drink that's uh, bubbly and astringent, also has bacteria in it. So how much do we need to eat? Nobody knows, but you got to have something in your diet. And that's, you mentioned a number of these, obviously, you know, we'll be 
doing a second uh, series in this podcast, the second uh, series in the podcast to be more uh, prescriptive in terms of what sorts of things one can do to enhance the your dietary requirements and also what are the what are the um, bacteria that you need in your supplements that you should be looking for because not all supplements are created equal and Catherine mentioned the the number of uh, bacteria that you want to have in the supplement that will um, make a difference because we're talking about hundreds of millions versus billions and there has to be the right balance that um, that really changed the dynamic for you but it should be companioned always with your diet so when we think about um, when we think about a diet we talk about um, people who are prone to having diets that are high in sugar which we know causes inflammation and so if it is possible we all like a little sweetness from time to time um, I like my brownies um, so it's going to be hard for me to give those up although um, I have to restrict myself to no more than once every other week on cheat day but we should try to to minimize the amount of sugar and there's a good reason for that because it does disrupt the balance of bacteria maybe we could spend a little bit of time on that and and the implications for things like diabetes as well Sure. So we spend, uh, we, we end up eating so much sugar in this country. It's unbelievable. And I, my personal favorite is not brownies, but it happens to be peeps, which are coming out soon for Easter. And, uh, but the um, sugar is probably one of the worst substances that we can take in. And um, they, uh, they also make the pancreas work harder uh, to produce more insulin. And this is how your pancreas can get tired and then one day not produce enough insulin. And so you get type two diabetes. Um, but when I think of sugar, you know, I used to think of sugar and gaining weight, but the way I conceptualize sugar now is that I am giving fuel to the bad bacteria in my gut and the good bacteria cannot thrive. Makeup of bacteria, you get a lot of inflammation and then the inflammation causes insulin resistance. And once you have insulin resistance, you, that's when you can start to trigger or unmask PCOS. And so that was the, so the, the point of this is that the gut does control a lot of these disease, the, the predisposition to disease and the um, it's fuel. It can be fueled by bad bacteria, like what, as in the case of sugar, which produce the or, or help the bad bacteria to th thrive, and diminish the ability of good bacteria to do what they're supposed to do and populate the the, the gut, and then obviously that has a trigger on what happens in the central nervous system. So we've also seen some early research. Now we're we're going to get into some of the other ways in which we can look at how the gut impacts the brain and the central nervous system. So what we are also seeing is that there are conditions like autism and even in aging, things like stroke and Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases that may, heavy emphasis on may, may be impacted by the microbiome and by the way in which we think about 
our diet and the ways in which we think about how we change the population in our gut to impact our brain. So that is some pretty cutting edge research, very interesting. And again, we use the word may, this may be proven to be true, but for now, what we say is if it's not going to if it, it is not going to harm you, but if it may help you, there's potential to start thinking about this right now. There's something we can do about this right now. And at a minimum, you just heard Catherine share with us what happens in the scenario of PCOS and diabetes. And there are lots of other conditions that similarly are impacted by good gut health. But if it also has implications for the central nervous system, that could be pretty profound. It could revolutionize psychiatry, right? Yes, absolutely. We talk about, you know, what is the intersection between psychology, psychiatry, and gastroenterology? And there's probably an, a convergence of what we'll call gastro, maybe we could call it gastro psychiatry or psych, you know, psycho whatever. I have to make up the word. It's a new field of science for sure that's the convergence of both, where we think about brain health and gut health and how they are interrelated. There's a lot of research that's taking place right now um, looking at the microbiotic and the gut-brain axis. Um, and most of this is early stage research, but it is pretty compelling research looking at um, Alzheimer's. And one of the things that we've seen in age-related cognitive decline is that the, um, the diet does influence this. So we are seeing some some clearer, clearer signs, again, waiting for proof, clinical proof, but clearer signs that we can impact brain function by thinking about how we eat and how we keep inflammation down to a minimum. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the topic for the next podcast because there is a ton of great information that um, in the literature that shows that this starts as early as delivery. So this, this started when you were, you know, extracted from your mother's body, <laughs> whether that was through a vaginal birth or cesarean section, that your, um, the population of microbiota began that early and had a real impact on your cognitive development. How about that? Well, had I known what was going to happen, I would have crawled right back up. <laughs> I don't know. It's I, it, I, I, I kind of like where I am today. <laughs> I wasn't sure I liked those that that dark confined space. I was uh, I was a little premature, so you know, obviously I wasn't happy in that small space that was my mother's body. Although I, I miss miss do miss my mom for other reasons. She's. Uh, she's <laughs> I do miss her for many other reasons, but, I, but I'm glad I came out when I did. <laughs> um, so on, on that note, uh, lots more to discuss on the gut and its, uh, its capacity to change the way in which we think, to impact our mood, 
um, we will talk about the types of bacteria that one may find in probiotics and in the foods that we eat and what's, what is the quantity and the type of food that makes sense for us as we think about our brain health and our gut health and how they work together. So this is Jerry DiPiano with my co-host, Dr. Catherine Sharif, signing off for now. Stay tuned for the next episode, part two of your gut and your brain. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. And be well. And remember to love Mia Vita. Oh, 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 oh,